Hey, good morning. This is a comedian, Tanola Oliver. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Make Another Mogul podcast, where the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. Um, that is an instrumental from LL Cool J, Around the Way Girl. So, um, we, um, Today is Monday, and so I think probably next Monday we'll kick off uh, Mogul Mondays, or we'll introduce the terminology, and um, and then we'll talk about it. I'm I'm excited because later on today, it probably will not air until next Monday, but later on today we'll be uh, interviewing. Uh, fashion designer Zuri. Um, he is out of the Ohio area, and um, he custom makes suits for both men and women. In addition to, I think he does some private label clothing as well. And so uh, we'll be interviewing him today. I'm really excited about that. Um. So what are we talking about today? I have written down some notes. So listen, first, I have some things that I want to talk about um, as it relates to... So a lot of people have been asking me about um, me pushing and talking about HBCUs and... um, why I placed it a burden of responsibility on all African Americans to um, to support HBCUs in some shape, uh, some in, in some type of way. And so here is my thing. Um, I think supporting HBCUs is just like supporting black businesses, right? Um, If you want to see people be successful uh, that look like you, then if you have an affinity to people that look like you, because not not all of us do, and and we cannot make that assumption. Um, One of my uh, gentlemen I used to volunteer in his 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 nonprofit organization, one of his favorite um, quotes is, some have the hue, why some have the heart. And so for me, um, an individual who um, supports both predominantly white um, uh, universities and HBCUs, my point is that not every... so. It is a reality that not every um, not every child of an African American family will attend an HBCU, right? That's a reality. What I am saying is, regardless to whether you attended an HBCU or someone you knew attended an HBCU, just like we have a responsibility to support Black businesses. I think we also have a responsibility to support um, black colleges and universities. And if that only looks like um, sending uh, $100 every six months, $200 a year, 
right? Um, whatever that looks like, right? Um, deciding to uh, mentor an HBCU student. Um, whatever that looks like, I think we have a responsibility within the African-American culture um, to support HBCUs. Again, not all, not every, not all of our children will attend an HBCU, but I think we still have a, a responsibility to support them. So when someone um, asks me, what do I think an HBCU offers um, that's different than predominantly white universities, is that I think... What an HBCU is supposed to do is to teach and prepare young adults to have an affinity to their heritage and to who they are and have a safe space to retreat to um, and a network to depend on when things in the real world um push against who we are as a culture and as a people um and so i think that's what an hbcu offers um and i don't think that their education is is subpar to um predominantly uh white universities. But it is a decision that a student has to make based on um, what it is that they need in life at the time, right? But I support both. But at the end of the day, I would hope that an HBCU teaches African-American or Black students to have an affinity to their culture, right? And I think I've talked about before, um, we don't show up in spaces um, wearing our culture on our sleeves, right? But um, neither do, like, I, I wouldn't show up to work in a dashigi, right? Um, but neither should we have to take on the culture of someone else in order to fill spaces, right? Um, and so that's the, that's the, um, that's the continuation of that conversation. Somebody wanted to wanted to know what I felt um, the purpose of an HBCU is. Uh, and it's an experience like none other. And I didn't attend an HBCU until I was um, 30 years old, right? Um, right out of high school, I went to a predominantly uh, Caucasian um, university, a predominantly white university. And prior to that, um, I had been in predominantly, um, a predominantly white high school. 
And so, um, and then grad school, I went to a predominantly white university. And so I think that both serve a purpose. Um, and it really is up to the student and what they need in life at the time. Um, and for me, um, at the age of 30, um, I needed some healing uh, within my own community because I had been functioning in predominantly Caucasian spaces. Um, and I just needed uh, to be in a space and be embraced by people who had and understood some of the experiences that I had had and some of the experiences that um, my journey had entailed. And so um, luckily, there was a number of students who were my age that understood um, my purpose in needing uh, to be in a predominantly um, in an HBCU at the time. And so, um, so there's that. But it is supposed to teach uh, Black students an affinity um, an affinity to their culture. Um, and so, and we'll talk a little bit about leadership later. And um, so as we've been talking about leadership, I think I've been leaning um, more into um, female uh, leadership. And today, um, I just want to take a moment to talk about leadership um, within the Black community. And um, so we'll talk about that in, in a moment. But listen, I was, um, I was surfing the internet and I bumped into an article about uh, Ray J and Brandy, the, um, the singers, Ray J and uh, Brandy. And I found out some information that I did not know that, um, and I don't know if the public knows or not, but within this article, um, it talked about, I had no, I, I did not know at all that um, Kim Kardashian used to be Brandy's admin. I, I didn't know that. And, um, and Chloe used to be Brandy's, the singer Brandy, used to be her stylist. And that um, the two families were very intertwined and closely knit to one another. I thought the first encounter that the Kardashians um, had with Ray J was when Ray J dated uh, Kim Kardashian. Turns out... Um, that that's that's not uh, that's not it, um, and so the article offers the appearance that there has been a long feud between the Kardashians and um, Brandy and Ray J, and that um, the mother is under the impression that. Um, the Kardashians have targeted their family and wanted to destroy 
um, their family. And so then it goes on to talk about how um, the, uh, I think it was uh, Kim had stolen 250, admittedly had um, embellished uh, $250,000 from Brandy because she was, um, uh, they had access to their credit cards because of, of administration and um, styling. And that in a written agreement that they agreed to pay the money back and they never paid the money back. Um, and 250000 ain't nothing to the Kardashians. So um, I find that odd uh, that they wouldn't pay back two hundred. Like they can write a check for 250000 like it ain't nothing. Um, and so, um, I thought that was odd. So again, my conversation is, um, like people who, people consistently show you who they are. And we just have a responsibility to take note and to notice who people are. And I, I just hope that within the African-American and the black community, like on a day-to-day -day basis, um, research proves and talks about that the average um, African-American endures more um, hiccups, so to speak, than non-blacks. And that I would think that at any time and in a, any opportunity, and I'm referring to my own leadership style, that I've had an opportunity to extend an olive branch to someone to help them get to the next level of their um, career, functionality, leadership, um, or even how they see themselves. I've always, without hesitation, extended that olive branch. Um, I can count on one hand how many conversations I've negated and opted out of. Um, and that was only because, um, uh, because sometimes when people approach you and encounter you, they think that... Um, that you are not um, aware of the agenda that they bring with them, right? Um, and so there were probably in my entire career, I've had to opt out of two conversations um, or, or an opportunity to build a relationship or opt out of it. Um, and in both um, instances, I opted out of it um, only because people had placed um, a bug in my ear prior to them approaching me, right? And so, um, and it, and it, and and they were both trusted sources, and both of them were were right. Um, but I did not do that in a way that was harmful for the under, other individual, right? Um, however. I would think that as an African-American in leadership, that we already have the understanding that the average African-American 
um, deals with a little bit more than a non-Black person. And I would hope that if in any opportunity that a Black person has the opportunity to exploit another Black person, that they would opt out of it. Like that is, that is what I'm hoping. And so real leadership does not exploit any demographic of people. But I am most distressed and disgusted by Black people who don't opt out of exploiting another Black person. And that is rather from any platform, from any um, format, from any um, any representation, right? And so even when I talk about research, right? I am a certified um, researcher, right? Um, where I've taken the proper classes and training and I've signed documents stating that I would not cause hurt, harm, or danger to any demographic of people, and that I would always be um, 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 transparent about what the research, the purpose of the research, how the research will affect the person, um, just a level of integrity, right? Um, is someone who is attempting to do research should take these proper classes in advance. And um, so I cannot imagine with the intentionality of exploiting any demographic of people, right? Because of the harm and danger that it has not just to the subject, but that it also has to a society. And once you make it to a certain level of influence in society, what you do is illustrative to the world, right? I couldn't imagine, and this leads into a, another segue of a, a different conversation I'm about to have, about communication, perceptions, people, things of that nature. And so I I cannot imagine me deciding to, like, what is it within a person other than evil <laughs> that I would decide to do research on an individual um, to point out all of the negativity about them and all of the negative things that have occurred in their life? Like, what would be the motivation and me doing such research on an individual. Can you imagine um, me attempting to do research um, on anyone, even a, a demographic of people, right? And to bring harm, right, to their direction or to highlight all of the negative um, attributes about a particular demographic of people. Right. And I would rather opt out providing the research than to provide the research and bring harm to a demographic of people. 
And so when we choose to um, repeat gossip, when we choose to um, present narratives about individuals, that is exactly what we're doing is providing the world negative research about an individual or demographic of people or about a family. And I cannot imagine anything, like I said, other than evil that would push, poke, or pride me um, to want to destroy somebody. That I'm willing to attach myself to their platform in a negative way um, or to uh, demoralize their character because I felt like um, that people spoke too well of them or, or whatever. I, and I'm just, I, I'm assuming, I don't know. I don't know what motivates people to do some of the things that they do, right? Um, and so real leadership is about building people. Real leadership is about building people, building communities, and um, spreading compassion, um, exercising integrity. That is what real leadership is about. We have a responsibility as a community. And and here is the thing, is that um, we have a responsibility as a community. to catch people before they make it into leadership positions where they can um, spread toxicity, or we have a responsibility to sit people down until they um, are willing to be accountable for the damage that they've caused, right? As a society, as a community, we have a responsibility to do that. And we have a responsibility to stop toxicity when we know that someone is being targeted um, for ill purposes. And so, and this is why my circle of influence has always been very small, because I know that the people within my circle um, of influence, um, have, um, and, and we, and so we're like-minded, meaning that, um, we have an affinity to the human race, right? Um, we have an affinity to the greater good of society, right? Um, and that we have an affinity to, seeing good people in good places, right? Good people seated in places of influence. And so they would do nothing to demoralize me or demoralize any effort um, that I am a part of. And there is some reciprocity to the relationship. Um, And so... I think a lot of people misinterpret when people 
are not so prompt to open up their life to other people, right? Um, and so I'm in this grand scheme of things. I'm just a, uh, um, well, well, I'm somebody in the Lord's eyes, right? Um, so this this is not about um, low self esteem or anything like that. But at the end of the day. Um, really just a, a, a nobody, right? In, in comparison, the grand scheme of things. Um, but everybody has some influence in whoever they are. Everybody is influencing something or somebody, right? And we have a responsibility, even in, um, in a notion that, um, I may not have an effect um, on uh, large portions of people, right? To know that I still have influence on somebody and that that influence should be positive and not toxic, right? Um, And it is with that thought process that I've always decided to ensure that my, um, the circle of people, my circle of trust um, is is smaller so that um, I don't accidentally plug into people who um, who need to exploit a situation in order to push or propel themselves. And I think um, and for the most part, um, that strategy has worked for my life. And so here is the thing about people who slip through the cracks in your life, right? Like every now and again, you find yourself in a, in a place and in a space in life and you're like, oh, I didn't know she felt that way about me. Or, oh, I, I, I didn't know um, that that was the type of relationship that we had. I thought that this was where we were, particularly when you've known people for a long time or people that you've... Um, um, you thought that you were on um, one place of reciprocity with them and later find out that that, that was not um, where you were. And so uh, people are always showing us how they choose to lead. And you never have to prove yourself to somebody who is committed to only seeing the things that you've done wrong, right? People that only see the things that you've done wrong in life, is the, those are not your people. Those are not your people. And those are people that you need to unplug from uh, exponentially, right? And then you allow... Um, you allow the Lord to be the Lord, right? Um, God has a way of um, how can I articulate this? The Lord has a way of um, neutralizing the effect of your enemies 
All you have to do is to be committed to who the Lord has equipped you to be. And if you remain committed to who the Lord has equipped you to be, you don't have to worry about the people that are not for you and only want to pull the negativity out about you because the Lord has a way of neutralizing people who are enemies to him, to who he is in you. Because oftentimes it's not that people we wrestle, and I didn't intend to go this way, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, wickedness, rulers of darkness, hmm? wickedness in high places. And so um, it it really is not, um, it's what's in you that people, um, um, and I hate to use the word intimidated. Like I hate to use that word um, because when you use the word intimidated, it 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 intimidates people, right? When you use the word intimidated, um, but people um, people don't know God. It cannot be handled, right? Like. God is not handable. Handable. Is that a word? Handable? Like you can't handle the spirit of the Lord, right? You can't handle um, the power um, of Christ, right? And so when people see the representation of Christ within you, because people have uh, a tendency to want to control people, right? And, um, and when people see that, see the Lord in operation within you, um, they want to corral it, particularly people who, um, who don't necessarily want to be seen for who they really are. And I don't mean that in a derogatory manner, like sometimes people really do some, some, some things to get to where they are in life and look back and regret it, right? But it's too late because they've already done it. And then whatever you do to get there, sometimes you have to, um, you have to maintain it or you have to step down and start over, right? And rebuild uh, your brand of integrity. Um, and so sometimes people find themselves in places in life and um, as they mature, they're like, damn, right? I, um, I really shouldn't have, right? Or uh, I wish I would have done this a different way. And then they bump into people who have that level of integrity and character and it is a, it's a buffer, Right. Um, to their consciousness. And um, don't worry about those people when you encounter those people. Um, They are not enemies to you. They're enemies to the God in you. And the Lord I serve never loses. (laughs) The, The Lord I serve never loses. I've never consciously had to take an L when I was operating in who the Lord had equipped me to be, 
Never. Um, because I serve a Lord who never loses. Um, I um, The uh, church that I grew up in, the pastor used to say, um, I can't lose with the stuff that I use. And I say that with all humbleness. And sometimes to the naked eye, um, it, it may appear um, that you're losing. Sometimes it feels like you're losing, right? Um, I've been in some seasons where I just felt like I was losing. Um, but the Lord, uh, people who appreciate the authenticity of who the Lord has equipped you to be and and the integrity that rests on your life and just your willingness to to do right by people, the people that are supposed to be in your life, they find their way to you. Um, some way, somehow, um, in the intersectionality of life, y'all run into each other. Um, and you just have to trust in that. You have to pray every day. You have to maintain your integrity and your character. And you have to trust that despite um, when, when, um, when we used to go to um, a baseball coach, um, he had a, um, um, uh, a sign on his wall. He had a lot of um, positive affirmations up on his wall. And um, he used to have one that said, um, if you persist, the powers of darkness must resist. Uh, and I took a picture of it one day, and I think I posted it on my social media. Um, and um, it is the truth, right? Uh, the Bible says it like this. I will contend against those that contend against you. I'll fight against those that fight against you. Um, the Bible also says, touch not thy anointed, do my prophet no harm. Like I could, I could read a lot of different scriptures. You just have to trust that the God in you is more than enough to, to, to push you into a place in a space of overcoming. Don't you ever surrender to the thought that, that the God in you is not enough. He created the heavens and the earth, huh? Um, and at the name of Jesus, huh? I don't care what nobody else using. I don't care who nobody else is. Is um, uh, the Bible says that, that though they gather against you, they don't gather in my name. And and what does that mean? It means that my power is bigger than any 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 circle of influence against you, huh? Um, he's, he holds all power in his hands. So don't you ever, 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 ever surrender to the thought that the God in you is not enough. Because if it, if God be for you, who can be against you? And, and I mean that from an earnest, uh, space in a humble, um, an humble space. And I'm telling you as a witness and somebody who has um, who has uh, been through a season of, uh, well, yeah, I've been through some seasons of doubting um, because um, there, there's been times in my life where it felt like um, that uh, evil people were winning, right? Like it felt like evil people 
um, were just, um, um, like they just, they, they have so many, the evil people really have, um, a lot of circles, right? Like, um, and, and so anyhow, um, you have to know that the God in you is enough, right? The God in you is more than enough. And, um, I don't care what nobody else's agenda is. I don't care what nobody else is doing. Um, I don't care how people, what type of little influences and committees or whatever they got going on, that the Lord in you is enough. That doesn't mean um, that that you you have walked a perfect walk, right? Um, Jesus is the only perfect um, human that has walked in this earth, right? And um, the power of the resurrected Christ that exists in you is more than a, a more than enough to make you a conqueror uh, in in whatever endeavor that you may be in. And don't worry about people, right? Because um, you serve something that is bigger and that it that is greater. Um, and I've seen God uh, quicken people's spirits on the spot. <laughs> I didn't see the Lord quicken some people's spirit on the spot, right? Um, and depending upon the situation and um, wait on the shift, wait on the shift. And waiting is different. Uh, when you wait in Christ, it's a different type of wait. Now, I'm not saying don't wait the way the world waits. Cause that's different. Like um, when you wait the way that Christ says, wait, um, he says that, uh, faith without works is dead. So waiting in Christ, um, is a different type of wait. Let people, let people do whatever, say whatever, but, you, but you stay committed, um, to who the Lord says that you are. And I just, I feel that unction and that wooing and that pulling, um, of the Lord saying that in this moment. So anyhow, I'm gonna let it go. Cause y'all know, I, um, I can talk about the power of, of Christ all day long and I didn't even intend to go that direction. Right. Um, so anyhow, back to, um, the making of the mogul podcast. And so here is this thing. So we talk about, um, it's this thing now that everybody talks about the universe and energy and all of that. And so, um, this is what I don't think people understand, right? Is that, um, energy really is the spirit of a man or a woman, right? It is, um, what makes them who they are, right? What, um, I listened to an interview with Deion Sanders and, um, uh, a former football uh, um, football player, and he also played baseball, professional baseball as well. Um, and um, the spirit of who he is is just a champion, right? Is a winner, and um, and what happens is, is people come to they want they want to snatch that out of you, right? Because that is. That's Christ, right? Like 
and people see that and people who operate in an antichrist spirit. And don't you ever be um, under the impression that, that people, that there is not people in the church with an antichrist. There are people in the church that have an antichrist spirit um, who need deliverance. All right. And so, um, but people who have an antichrist spirit and an antichrist agenda, they see that Christ in operation in you. And some people will refer to it as arrogance. Um, but who could serve this type of God, right? Who could be um, in the under the umbrella, right, of um, of of Christ, and not walk in the confidence of Christ, right? And so, um, anyhow, so really, just energy really just means the spirit of a man, and and if you are a born born again believer, right then the spirit of who you are is the operate of is Christ in operation within you. Um, and like two snowflakes, no two of us should ever look just alike. Right. And then you have some people like, um, if, if they're, um, like mentorship, like mentorship in the church. Um, and you say, this is my spiritual father, my spiritual mother. And so there may be some resemblance of the, of the, of the the character, right? And the personification of that person on your life. But that's because they're your spiritual mother, spiritual father, and you've been sowing into them and um, you've been um, uh, serving their ministry, right? I, I, it is not godliness if you look like somebody you've never served because you've been following them through social media. And I'm not really, I'm not about to get in that conversation, um, but that is not of God, right? And so when people see the Christ in you and they operate in an antichrist spirit, they come for the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ that is within you. Um, and if you are born again believer, you are sealed into the day of redemption. And that it, nothing can refute that in operation in your life. And so uh, when you encounter people and you say that they have um, like this certain energy, I think the world has really confused it. Um, and they think that energy has a look. And so I'm talking about, I'm about to, uh, this is a segue. I'm about to talk about relationships. And so um, when, and so we read this report, right, about men who are self-reporting as um, self-reporting as lonely, right? Um, and so here is the reason why: is because the word when we listen to songs like what's her name, Mulatto, Milano, Mulatto. I think that's her name, Mulatto. Uh, she's a rapper, and we listen to songs like Big Energy, and I, I like the song, right? You know, I'm a I'm a hip hop rap. Uh, it, you know, I'm on it. I like the song. Um, but when we listen to songs like that, because of the lyrics that follow in the song, we think that, that it's a look. And so we're looking like you have a generation of females who are looking for a look when in fact, and I'm about to, I'm about to tell you this and, and you're going to have to think about it and then come back and respond. Okay. 
Um, but it's not a look because it is it is the spirit of a man that represents right who he is. And I'm going to tell you two people that put me, um, that remind me of one another and put me in the same frame of mind that look absolutely nothing alike, right? And that is Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and Babyface. They have the same, you all will call it energy. I don't call it energy, but they have the same um, aura about themselves, right? Um, And so when we talk about women and making decisions of who we decide to date, you have to expand your understanding of what an alpha man looks like and how he represents himself, right? And so um, when we look at Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, we're looking at a man who is physically strong, right? Physically built. Um, uh, the lyrics, he's a, he's a media mogul, but when we, a lot of people still associate him with the lyrics in his song, um, or maybe even the movie and television productions, but he is very much, (laughs) um, a baby face type, right? Um, and so, Babyface is still uh, also a alpha male, right? Um, he's just in a different package, right? And I'm saying that the them two, they remind me of each other and they put me in the same frame of mind because they have the same aura about each other. And I think we've raised our daughters in such a way that they overlook the baby face and everybody runs for the 50 cent because we haven't taught our daughters how to discern leadership. And we haven't taught our daughters how to lead. And so it is in in the understanding of what leadership looks like that we are able to identify alpha personalities, right? You can't be an alpha personality and be toxic. I'm going to say it again. You cannot be an alpha personality and be toxic. And so when I say, and so when we look at Curtis Jackson, and a lot of people would think that that was... um, So if we look at Curtis Jackson, the only time we've seen him toxic is when he's retaliating, right? When somebody has said or done something towards him and he retaliates and responds, right? Because that's his, that's his personality. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about toxicity, right? I'm talking about people. He's absorbed more toxicity than he's thrown toxicity, right? Um, And so now he is constantly um, in a warrior mode, right? He's been through enough in life where people have attempted to 
hold him down and hold him back, that he re, that his posture is the posture of a warrior, that if you come for me, I, that I have to, I got to kill you because I'm not going to allow you to kill me, right? Um, that is his posture, right? And so that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about toxicity. Toxicity is people with that have the intentionality to hold back somebody with negative language, negative associations, um, connotations, um, uh, demoralizing character, um, insinuations, accusations, um, intentionally uh, trying to block people from, um, from positions, spaces, uh, functionality, leadership, that's what toxicity is, right? Um, we haven't taught, we haven't taught and equipped our daughters with the ability to discern alpha men because they are under the impression that alpha men have a look. <coughs> alpha men operate in a specific personification and aura. If you don't train your daughters to recognize what that aura looks like, they may pass up a baby face. They may pass up a 50 cent because they're looking for it in toxicity. And if we don't train our daughters how to recognize leadership from toxicity, they will marry toxicity and pass up alpha leadership. And that, that's my conversation today. Really, it, it is about relationships. And so I think today is day number three of 21 questions. And um, 21 questions is about... <coughs> so I did the comedy version of 21 questions. So you can go back to the podcast and um, listen to the comedy version of 21 questions, or you can listen to the, um, I did an extension of 21 questions. Um, and it's, it's a comedy, it's an audible comedy skit and it's entitled, you ain't never had a baby mama like me. And so, um, if you're having an indifferent day, um, I invite you to go listen to either one of those, uh, 21 questions is, is 21 episodes. It's a series. And then, um, you ain't never had a baby mama like me. Um, it is also a series. And I think, um, it's, I think it's a three part series. Um, but if you're ever having an indifferent day, I invite you to go back and listen to both of them, right? Particularly if you're in corporate America, um, because it offers another side of who I am. And sometimes you just need to be able to feel, um, that side of somebody that operates in the space that you operate in. So I invite you to go back and listen to, to both of those. Um, but for the next 21 days, we, um, we're doing, uh, the 21 day questions, uh, the edited version where I'm doing the profession, professional version of 21 questions. And we're asking, um, moguls, uh, people who are at the optimum level of, um, whatever their respective fields are, 
um, 21 questions. What would we ask them if we had an opportunity to sit down um, with them? And I think on yesterday, no, we don't do podcasts on Sunday. I think it was on Saturday. Um, I asked uh, what their what their non-negotiable is. And so today, um, since we're talking about relationships, um, this is what I want to know. And it's, um, and this is probably going to be difficult to answer because there are, there are some professions where mixing business and pleasure is, is, it, it comes easily, right? Um, I have never been in a working environment that mixing business and pleasure was okay, right? Um, and so this is what I want to know. And I'm not necessarily talking about um, intimate relationships, right? But we meet a lot of people on a day-to-day basis. What is the characterization or personification? What are the character traits of people that you decide that you're willing to allow them into your personal space, right? And when I say personal space, I mean the intimate parts of who you are, right? Because you can have an administrator and, um, and they can enter into your house or enter into your office, but they never enter into the personal space of who you are, right? Um, I think leaders create... Um, or learn to create um, a balance in walls that prevent people from being able to um, move into the private corridors of our life, even though they're right next to us. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that you can interact with somebody on a regular basis and they never um, cross the threshold into who you really are on a personal and a private level right? Um, It's a skill set that you develop as a leader um, because it's what you have to do to protect yourself, right? To protect yourself and to protect the people that you love. And so we encounter a lot of people on a day-to-day basis in just doing business, right? And um, who are those people? What is, what character traits Is it in an individual that you decide to invite someone um, into the intimate or the personal spaces of your life um, from a business uh, environment? And the reason I'm asking that is because, and so as a married woman, that was never, that was never something I had to ponder, right? I, I never had to it, it was never something I had to think about because I was a married woman and, and my private life is was very, very separate from my professional life. Um, but as a single woman, um, I asked myself different things, right, as a single woman. And I'm not talking about intimate relationships. I'm talking about um, friendships, right? I'm talking about um um, a person moving from this is my professional associate to this is um, someone that I interact with 
um, outside of a professional setting and we have the ability to sit down and go to lunch or go to dinner. And this is someone who I've invited into um, the personal spaces of my life. What is the character traits that you look for in an individual that you are willing to decide this is someone that I would invite into my personal space of who who I am? Um, I once had an associate of mine who said that she um, that though we talk and, and we didn't talk every day because I don't I've never talked to anybody every day other than um, my ex or children or, or something of that nature. Um, and she said that she could um, tell or sense she felt like she never really um, had the opportunity to know me um, on a personal level. I mean, and that was intentional because that's who I am, right? I don't invite everybody into the intimate and the personal spaces of who I am. And I can share a testimony. I can share a thought. Um, and still, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's it, you learn to perfect it and still protect people from the totality of who I am, right? And that's why um, when we talk about this space here, and people are like, um, you've, you've said a lot. I've said a lot over and over and over again, right? I've, I've shared the same stories, right? Over and over and over again. So um, if, you, if you ever hear somebody attempting to rebrand who I am, you'll know that it's, it's a story that I've told because I've told you all the same stories over and over again. Um, I've just attached um, different uh, um, different, um, life skills to the same stories. Right. And so, um, because you learn to perfect, not letting people into the intimate spaces of who you are. Right. And so as a single woman, um, I'm attempting to recalibrate that, um, in understanding that most of uh, if I am attempting to build um, new friendships that did not exist uh, from my former marriage, that it will probably nine times out of 10, um, it will probably be from uh, from a professional space because though that's the space that I exist, that's where I am all the time is in a professional space. I I, I don't even... I don't remember the last time I was in a non-professional space, right? Um, what are the character traits? Uh, what is the what is the character traits of the person that you decide that um, that you would allow that person to enter into your personal space? And um, what does that look like? That's what we, that's, that's, um, that's number three for today. And, and because most of us brought, um, most of us brought people from previous lives, right. And, and former spaces into our professional life. And so those relationships existed prior to, and if you look at 
different people and uh, various functionalities of their respective field. Like when, if you look at an Oprah, Oprah already had an intimate relationship with her best friend. And so she just pulled that relationship into her professional life. And so she has someone in her professional space that she has the ability to, um, to, uh, to have those private conversations with in a professional space. Right. Um, if you look at, um, uh, some of the prominent, uh, rap artists, right. Um, once they made it, they pulled people from the neighborhood that they had previous relationships into professional spaces where they now exist because they were relationships and people whom they knew that they could trust. Right. Um, if you look at, if you look at the Kardashians, right. Um, I mean, they're a large family and so, um, they've, of course, the intimate relationships that they have exist from family and friends. I think um, the twins, there's African-American twins that used to appear on the show um, that, that's in their personal space. But that was a prior um, private relationship that they pulled into their professional life because it was um, a family that they could trust. Right. <coughs> I just told a story about Brandy. And uh, her brother. And so um, they knew the Kardashian family prior. And so when it was time for Brandy to hire an admin or um, what was Chloe or personal stylist, this was, this was a relationship that she had prior and that she was able to pull um, into her professional life. Right. And so. There are, there are people who don't have, like if we look at somebody like um, Jennifer Hudson, right? All of the, and, and I don't really, um, I don't have the opportunity. I don't know a lot about Jennifer Hudson. I haven't, um, for what I can see, she lives a very private life. So I don't have a lot of information about the people who exist in her life right now. But um, based on the few things that um, that I've read and heard about her, her existing relationships are relationships that she built um, after she um, after she won on um, was it American Idol? I think she was on. After she won on America Idol, when I look at Tyra Banks, um, other than her her mother, which is her manager, <coughs> her existing relationships uh, were relationships that she had to build after she became the Tyra Banks. And so everybody does not have the luxury of pulling those relationships some people have to establish those relationships on the other side. And so that is what I'm asking. What is the character traits of individuals that you are willing to let down the personal wall in your life 
and allow people to have that intersectionality between your professional life um, and your private life. Um, because otherwise there would like where would there are some people that would not have relationships because they're always in a professional space, right? And so this is the Making of the Mogul podcast, uh, where the dream is um, free, but the hustle was sold separately. Talk with you later. Peace.